You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Almighty God, we ask that you would make your Son present to us here this morning by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Now, when you hear of wars and rumor of wars... Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilences. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. Oftentimes, when there is a reading of the Old Testament, of the epistle reading, or the gospel, I'm a little bit worried that you're like me and that you're kind of dozing off while it's being read. That is no slam on Catherine's reading or anyone's reading. It's just what we do. We get kind of comfortable in our pews. On a day like today, we came out from the cold. We're warm. We're kind of ready to rest. But texts like this don't really allow us to doze off or to rest because they're so vivid. They're so apocalyptic. And that's exactly what we see happening in this text. We see a message like the prophets of old, all this imagery that talks about everything caving in. Now, in two weeks, we're going to enter the season of Advent, and I don't know about you, but I only knew, I only learned a couple of years ago that Advent isn't really a preparation for Christmas time. We all might think this because I drove through Mountain Brook Village, English Village, Homewood, and even in downtown Birmingham, there are already Christmas lights everywhere. And don't get me wrong, I love the Christmas cheer. When I was in New York City, Christmas time is the absolute best, and especially because, unlike here, the next four or five months are absolute misery. (laughs) It's cold and it's dreary. And I also know that I keep Christmas stuff in my home, so I'm not in any way trying to be an Advent policeman saying, don't put up your nativity sets, because a lot of us deal with mental illness, and really, this cheer can really cheer us up. But I think it's helpful to remember that we do have a whole season devoted to Christmas. We've got 12 days. You remember the song. Advent is its own distinctive season. And Advent, unlike the Christmas season, is primarily into the second coming. With Christmas, we'll look back to the incarnation. But with Advent, at least primarily, we look to when Jesus will come again. The rest of the church year, you know, Epiphany, Lent, Easter, Pentecost, it's all concerned about the life of Christ or the work of the Holy Spirit. But in an Advent, it's concerned about the life of the church, of you and me. Advent, you see, is concerned about the time in between times, in between Christ's first and second coming And since the cross, we have all been in Advent. We've all been in this season of waiting and resisting, of watching 
and anticipating the day when our Lord Jesus Christ will come again to make right all that has gone wrong. And that's why over the next seven weeks, you will see that our lessons are intense and not just the gospel lessons. You'll see epistles. You'll see Old Testament lessons that have this apocalyptic imagery. The end is here. We have been at the end of the ages since Christ has come and a battle is being raged. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and we are in the middle of it. So how does this passage begin? Well, it begins with some, I guess the disciples, were looking at the great temple of Israel. They're looking at it. King Herod the Great has just done an 80-year remodeling project. It is impressive. And Jesus, the party pooper in this instance, says, it's all coming down. Not one stone will be left upon another. Again, this apocalyptic language and imagery. Now, for you and me, if the Cathedral Church of the Advent were to be taken down, it would be horrible. It would be a terrible thing. But imagine Jews of the first century. The temple is not just an incredible edifice that we go to once a week. The temple is the center of lived reality, and not just religious lived reality, but everyday reality. The temple is where God resides with his people. The tearing down of the temple would be a dislocation unlike any that we've experienced in our lifetimes, not including 9-11 and the pandemic. This is an intense thing. This is much like we see with what he says, great earthquakes, pestilence, terrors, signs from heaven. And this is why he needs to say to them, do not fear. Now let me back up for a second and say, I think the reason why a lot of the times we don't celebrate Advent as of its own season is because, as T.S. Eliot once wrote, humankind cannot bear very much reality. I mean, just think about the last time you were confronted with those parts of yourself that you don't want exposed that you hide, that you might even not realize is in you, and then it flares up, and you're like, who is this person? Or just think about the times when we get a real glimpse of reality out there, when we turn off our pop music or whatever it is we love that distracts us from the reality of the world, and we catch a glimpse of it, of people in 2022, starving. We might be given a pass for not really wanting to take a fearless inventory of the dark. But in Advent, we do that very thing. We do that very thing because we have hope. Because we're not like everyone else. We have a living Lord We need not submit to despair. We can call a spade a spade. We can see things for how they really are. We can resist cheap comfort and sentimental cheer 
because we know that all will be made right. The good news of this text is that we can call a spade a spade. We can see things for what they are. We can see when we're depressed or when our world is caving in and we, we don't have to just fly by it. We can see it and we can anticipate the day of healing. We see this in this text. In texts like these, they might sound like they're all downer, like, oh my gosh, the world is caving in. But notice, the message of this text is not to submit to despair. It's, don't be afraid. I am with you. I am for you. Look at this wild thing that you and I don't experience today, but some Christians in foreign lands experience. When you're persecuted and delivered up to synagogues and prisons, when kings and governors pronounce you guilty, what does it say? You don't even need to think about what you are, you're going to say ahead of time. I'm going to give you the words. I'm with you. I'm for you. You need not be afraid, and I will lead you. The message of Advent is more than just be watchful, O sleeper, or resist the sin within and without. All of our agency is enveloped in the divine agency who says, I will give you the words to say. I will not lead you astray. I am with you. I am for you. So yes, we're to resist the false teachers. Yes, we're to testify. But what Luke is saying, what Jesus is saying here is, I will testify. I will be with you. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about persecution, I think about my non-denominational church that was very kind of apocalyptically inclined, let's just say. Uh, And some of the things that they talked about about the end times, I think, are completely false. I think we've been living in the end times for 2,000 years now. But I remember one time going to a New York Giants game with my father, and we went to, it was the old stadium, and it was one of those stadiums, i got to figure out what this thing's called, but instead of taking an elevator or an escalator, you went kind of around in a right circular cylinder until you reached the very top of the stadium. We had the nosebleed seats, and my dad thought it would be a really cool, cool idea to take me to the top of that area and have look over and find our car. Now, of course, he had great intentions, but at the time, I was terrified of how high I was. I'd never looked down that far. And for whatever reason, in my mind, what popped in my mind at that time was when my youth pastor would say, if someone held a gun to your head and said, do you deny our Lord Jesus Christ? Would you deny him or not? And until that day, I was like, well, of course, no, I'll follow the Lord to the very end. But for whatever reason, I imagined someone saying, I'll throw you off if you don't deny our Lord Jesus Christ. And I remember that day thinking, I think I deny him. This text talks about even wilder things, being tortured. I know for a fact I would deny him. Nowadays, I I think less about, you know, on the spot, like you being asked that question because... 
I mean, I don't know if that's been your reality. It's never been my reality, thank God. But for me, it's more, I had a conversion experience. I've had my spiritual highs. But at times, the Christian life is so darn long. And I go through these periods of dry spells. When I'm in that spell, of course, I'm not going to testify under pressure. But again, the message of this text is not first and foremost, be perfect. It is, don't be afraid. I am with you. I'm for you. And in that situation, I'll give you the words to say. And we see later in the Gospels, and this has always been balm for me. I don't know if it is for you. But Jesus' best friend, Peter, who has a moment where he can testify for his Lord, and he doesn't, right? He denies him three times. Nevertheless, our Lord comes back to him and says, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Ultimately, what I think we're getting here in this text is a picture of life at its darkest, Life at its darkest out there and life at its darkest in here. And while we don't always have to look at these dark places, when we catch a glimpse of them, we need not be afraid. God is with us there. God's for us there. God is cleansing us there. And just like Peter, when we fail him, when we go through our dry spells, the Lord says, I forgive you, and the Lord says, I empower you to feed my sheep. Over the next six, seven weeks, we're going to get texts like these. But never forget that the purpose of these texts are to show us that despite everything, we have a living hope, a God who makes a way out of no way, who will set right all that has gone wrong out there and in here. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.